Welcome back to the flip side. Galen Clavio here along with Brian Moritz. Uh, we were not sure when we were going to start this podcast. We were recording at the night of Game 6 of the World Series. But, uh, Brian, uh, a grand slam had just hit by the Cubs. It's a 7 nothing game right now. I think we can safely podcast without missing a whole lot. I, I, I think we're good. I think, yes, the uh, the drama has been taken out of the night, at least for the time being. And uh, with Joe West behind the plate, I think we could do a full podcast. And if there is any drama, we'll still have plenty of time <laughs> time to catch it. But we were just having we, – we started recording kind of on the fly because we were just kind of talking about the point that I had seen on Twitter just when we started recording. And I'm sure it's half-joking but maybe half-serious that, you know, this for, if Cleveland's going to lose game six, you want to basically get blown out. So you don't use up all the good arms. You don't like throw Andrew Miller a couple innings and basically save everyone for game seven. And we were just talking about how you can't really do that in baseball. And I'll let you finish the thought you were saying literally just before you hit record. I mean, it's difficult because, you know, when you, what you end up with is a situation where you, okay, we want to lose this game. It's 7 nothing. It's the fourth inning. We really just want to kind of get it out of our system, go away. We're going to come back, regroup, game seven, all that. But you still mm-hmm. have to pitch people. And right. if you keep putting in ineffective pitchers, you really run the risk. What if you lose 14 to nothing? Like mm-hmm. what the psychological blow that, that you deal with with that, then having to come back the next day, now you're like, man, we weren't even competitive in that game. Has this team finally woken up? Uh, I, I think that that ends up being an issue. You also run into the risk. I mean, what if another one of your pitchers just like can't keep their stuff you know like from from being hit out of the park now you're mm-hmm. starting to cycle through relievers and i know you've got an all hands on deck situation in a game seven but it's <laughs> it's just it's very hard to like pull people and just like say okay fine whatever because right. of the 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 unique nature of the way that baseball tends to play out Right. I mean, it's, you know, the, the oldest cliche of baseball, you don't have a clock, you can run out, but you just can't play clock defense. You just kind of can't, you know, run out the clock and, and, and bleed time. You're right. Everyone has to has to go. And you do have the mo- momentum aspect, which how much there is and how much there isn't, you know, um, whether, you know, I, one thing I've always thought about the momentum discussion in sports that misses the point a lot, you know, when like Bill Barnwell or the 538 guys talk about there's no, you know, there's no momentum, there's no real mo- momentum. When you talk Talk to athletes, they absolutely believe in momentum. Whether there is or not is beside the point. So the Cubs, all of a sudden, they're down 3-1. They get the close win the other night. Now they're, they they blow them out game six at home. Now, all of a sudden, you know, whether there really is momentum, you got to feel they have that feeling behind them. I was just listening to something today about – World Series moments and the the Red Sox Yankees 2004 series came up, and like what you don't remember about that series was um, Joe West must have just had a great call at the plate, no, judging no, by your facial my, expression. No, actually, um, go ahead, I'll tell you what happened in a second. <laughs> no, so, um, uh, and, and what, what what I always I, I feel like sometimes we forget in that series was it was the great comeback, but Game Seven by the time they played at Yankee Stadium, the Red Sox blew that game. Up. That was a blowout. Like there was a, like, like Damon led off the game with a home run. I think I'm. I'm remembering in bits and pieces but it was not a close it was not a dramatic game seven it was an anticlimactic game seven and you run that risk i think when you can you know and i think that's definitely the possibility here so um forgotten how much of a blowout game seven was yeah it was 10-3 was the final oh yeah and it was like it was it was and it was six nothing by the end of the the second the top of the yeah i mean it was just yeah yeah, so so, um, so what, what, what got your uh, reaction going there? Oh, my puppy 
was standing on the carpet, standing, mind you, trying to scratch his belly with one of his hind legs while he was standing, which that must not have ended well for him. It was it was just it, it was a, it was an odd balance. Like it looked like he was mm-hmm. going to tip all the way over, which I always thought was kind of interesting. Uh, I, I love it when retrievers in particular do that. They tend to they, they tend to have a, a lack of understanding of gravity or balance, and I find that <laughs> I find that very endearing, actually. It is. They 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 are such amazingly awesome dumb animals, and I say that with love and respect. But they are, they are they are they are wonderfully oblivious in a lot of ways. So um so we're recording this November first. Did you guys have a good Halloween? Eris's second Halloween, kind of really her first ish. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, it really was, and and actually this one, she wasn't interested in trick or treating. She really didn't want oh. to go out and like walk around. What she really wanted to do was watch this loop of videos. What's the name of the video, dear? It's the it's the LBB videos, the ones with like, okay. the vaguely British sounding voices and the cartoon character singing a bunch of nursery rhymes. Like that's her thing. Huh. She stands in front of the computer and just watches that for hours at a time. Well, not hours, but like an hour at a time. It's actually pretty endearing. Huh. But she wanted to do that, and so we just we dealt with a huge influx of trick or treaters here. Um, now we okay. we just moved to a new neighborhood, as you know, and mm-hmm. in our old neighborhood we'd get maybe maybe five or six families worth the trick-or-treaters uh, on a Halloween. Oh, that's it? It okay. wasn't too much. Um, we went through six entire bags of candy in about an hour and a half, and we had to shut it down early. Like, we had to wow. like, do the whole, we had, we're closing the, the door and, and uh, turning off the porch light sort of deal. So that was, oh, man. That was a surprise. I was unprepared for the onslaught. <laughs> Yeah, we had a late surge. We probably had only only thirty or forty kids. It it ended up being that's a respectable showing by by the end of the night. Uh, but but um, but we had it good here. Uh, my daughter, she's six now, so she's perfect age for like getting Halloween and loving it. She uh, she was Hermione Granger again, second year in a row that that she's done that because the costume still fits and she still loves Harry Potter, so she's going with that <laughs> as long as she can. But uh, we had a good good trick or treating. And, of course, the best time of the night as a parent is when you shut it down. We shut it down a little early because bedtime and everything. And so we had the uh, the uh, empty, empty the bowl o'clock, which is uh, you've got all the candy. We had leftover candy, and now all of a sudden, hey, the kids got her own candy. We might as well do this. Um, although my wife, God bless her, made a, made a slight miscalculation in the, in the candy buy. She bought uh, – Kit Kats, which are normally top three candy, but it was the Halloween Kit Kats. So it was the orange chocolate with like the v- vanilla wafer instead of the normal. Passable, fine, but you know, definite letdown from the actual Kit Kat. There were some interesting ones. I bought. Uh, they were on sale. It was a it was a Bogo offer, uh, but they had okay. they had um, was it Snickers Extreme? Was that the name of it? And it was basically like Snickers without the nougat. It was like it was like it was like a it was like if Snickers was a payday bar, like so it was okay. basically just peanuts and caramel with chocolate around it. it but was, but the, the, that throws off the whole ratio and 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 the balance of the Snickers my, bar. My wife didn't like them. Uh, it was, but she loved the peanut butter Snickers squares. Uh, okay, those are good. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that that was that was a big hit. Um, 
But yeah, it was a pretty actually the the most popular candy that was purchased in the bags of candy as far as the kids were concerned. And this is a big surprise. It wasn't the Snickers, it wasn't the the Hershey bars, it was the Junior Mints. Really? That was the one that went That's... out of uh, that we yes. It was it was really okay. quite remarkable. Now, as far as we didn't we didn't take Eris to go trick or treat cuz she wanted to watch videos instead and we had none left over. So Okay. That Oh no. Yeah, so we really you're, you're... You're, ha- you're candy free on November. That's sad. It's that's sad. It's I feel really, like I should send you some candy. It's really not that sad. You, my friend, look like you need to put a couple of pounds on your bones, and I don't look like that. For those who haven't seen the two of us, so I think you're. It's better that you take the candy. Like you, you hang on to it. It's fine. I, I, I will, and if any listeners have excess Halloween candy that they're trying to get rid of, I will gladly take one from the team and accept we, it go, for you. You know, we need to start. We need to stay. You know, you, they've got like GoFundMe. We need a Go Candy Me page. Go Candy Me. I like where this is going. Yes. So because this is the second great business idea I came up with tonight. The first one, and as a homeowner, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, so what I think you, we, what I would like is, is I, I have we. I'm having some appliance anxiety right now. Our dryer's making funky noises, and our dishwasher's making funky noises. Um, Can we we, we get a better term, like appliance anxiety? Appliance anxiety. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, And so what I I want is because as a homeowner, you know, the the, the great conundrum is when you call, service call out – it's between 75 and 100 bucks just getting them in the door, no matter if it's a full repair or like you've got a, a fork stuck in the in, in the in the thing and they pull it out. What I what I want, and I've thought this for cars should exist for a long time, and I would extend it to homes, is basically like a service where you pay X amount of money a year, let's say $100, $200 for a membership, and it's diagnostic. So you call, somebody comes over, and they can't, they don't do the repairs, but they, they, they listen to the sound, they look, they do like a preliminary say, look and say, Oh yeah, for your dryer, your belt's going. It's a thirty dollar part, maybe a hundred bucks to fix together. Or they look at it and go, eh, "It's going to be about a four hundred dollar job if you fix it." And so, like, and just so, like, not to not to have a full repair, but just to be able to know the okay, is this something that if I keep running, it's going to blow up and and have a longer repair, or it's just funky? I just think that 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 almost like insurance, almost like an like a like an insurance policy for impl- appliances and like a diagnostic thing. I thought for cars, this would be this is what they I have, think they have like, that already for cars. They have like insurance, like like car repair insurance. I've seen it at. Maybe they only try to sell it to us yokels in in flyover country, but you know I I think that they've got I've seen that before where it's like they've got this this woman who I I only remember the ad because like when she smiles her dimple in her cheek is so big it looks like she's got a hole in her face. Sure, uh, but she's there like pawning this car insurance, but it's like not regular car insurance. It's insurance against potential repair issues down the line. Okay. And so, right. I, um, but that's not what you're referring to here? Sort of, but it repairs down the line. So, like, um, basically, like, the idea of something doesn't sound right in the car. Like, like something doesn't sound right. Something's off. Like, not and Okay. What, so, so, like, you got, like, a squeak in the wheel or something like that, or, like, clonk in the dryer. Whatever it is, somebody, you, you, you don't pay for the fix, but you pay a flat fee for, your for like, access to somebody oh, to look at it and okay. say, 
and they come over and say, um, like, look at your tires, look at your brakes. Nothing looks wrong with them. You probably got water in them or your pads are starting to go. You might want to replace them or your calipers, are, your calipers are shot. You're so, so wait, so you just, you're basically paying a diagnostic fee is what you're asking. For. Yes. Yeah. A one, like a one time, like, like, like that. This is my dream. A diagnostician on call. So that so that it's not the eighty dollars to have the guy come over tell you what's wrong to tell you that he doesn't need to fix anything. I think what you need to really be wishing for, actually, in all of this is is, is, the, is the skills to be able to make repairs on my own. No, yes, no, I'm no, well no, no, no. Actually, no, no. I, what I was going to say was you need to be rooting for robots here, because I, I think I think that Ooh. that's your diagno your diagno diagnostician yeah. on call instead of. Yeah. Instead of a human coming out and diagnosing, you need to just have a robot or, or you know, when I say a robot, it could just be uh, a central computer system that you plug into your refrigerator or you plug Ooh. into your washer. And it's it, it like is able to look at the output of the of the computer system and say, yeah, this is wrong and this is what it's hmm. going to take to have it fixed. I think that's really a lot of people. I was thinking about this uh, a lot earlier this week on a slightly different topic, but um People are so scared of computers and of robots and of technology. And I think it's because, unfortunately, we've been like, you know, there's been too much sci-fi in our minds and in our, our society. And sci-fi, because it's it, sci-fi always colors artificial intelligence as like uh, malignant because it has to, because that's what gets people interested in the plot lines. I mean, it would kind of be sure. like... It would be like them not doing that would be like your nightly news or your local newspaper, you know, covering a man walked through a meadow with a puppy today as, as like a, a, a top story. It, it just okay. wouldn't, it wouldn't draw people in. You know, if it, the, the, the if it bleeds, it leads thing, I think, goes over to sci fi like uh, an article about or a book about a benevolent artificial intelligence that just sits there and does what's good for mankind just that won't sell books so instead we have to right. have these things that you know lock this you know like kill the scientists and suspended animation and and you know lock the co-pilot out of the the spaceship i mean that why can't we just have a refrigerator that instead of trying to plot the over the take over the world or plot to kill us just says i'm going to tell you when i'm broken and how to fix me like right i don't see why that can't be the natural order of things i i i love this and i actually love this idea because as we get more into like home automation and smart homes and like 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 and the appliances talking to each other i feel like you're right that's the, that's like the the allure of it you know I, I we have the the amazon echo and to be able to say alexa why is my dryer clunking and it can and it, and it connects and says you know belt is belt appears worn uh, call, call, shall I call for a service repair or something like that? I don't. Yeah, you're right. I don't need my fridge to tell me I'm out of milk. I need my fridge to tell me, hey, when it goes wrong, tell, tell me what's going on. Tell, tell me, what, tell me what's what's going on with it. It's just, it's okay, we made a joke on Twitter earlier when you were you were you were joking about oh, no. about about Joe West and not having a, a consistent strike zone. And I, I joked we're going to talk about robot umps, aren't we again? And he said, no, let's talk about something else. But this is basically the robot up conversation. It's like, I don't, need, I, don't need, I don't need the human element um, behind the plate to make me feel like the machines haven't won. I want the fucking right. umpire to tell me.
tell me whether it's a ball or a strike accurately on every pitch. So it's the same thing with the refrigerator. Like, I don't I don't need a repairman to come out and tell me that my compressor's going down. Why can't the bloody machine just tell me that? Right. I, 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 I would get behind that because the, 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 the self-diagnosing refrigerator benefits me, whereas the, the robocall just annoys traditionalists, and which is also a good thing. Um, but uh, we've gotten off, off field. This is what happens when we really don't plan a topic, um, although we have a couple that we, that we can we can chat about. But uh, we're a few minutes. We're about 15 minutes into this thing. What is your beer of choice for tonight? <laughs> it's, it's Rolling Rock. <laughs> nice. I had it left over from the tailgate. I do want to say this: of all of the the um, nondescript domestics that you can buy right. to take to a tailgate, this is by far my favorite, and I will purchase it every single time. And I have no qualms about that whatsoever. It, it, it's a solid. It's a it's a good, solid, refreshing lager, and it's usually pretty inexpensive. So no, nothing wrong with that. I'm going with. Um, this was brought over to my house for uh, a dinner the other day, and I'm kind of liking it. It's from Long Trail, which is a very underrated Vermont brewery. Kind of gets lost in a lot of the uh, a lot of the bigger names, but it's a it's a good solid beer. This is their uh, Citrus Limbo IPA. It's an IPA, kind of a West Coast feel, but with grapefruit and tangerine. Okay, I'm reading the thing: grapefruit and tangerine infusion, dry hopped with Galaxy and Mosaic hops. I like that. Uh, that sounds good. It's very good. Yeah, you would you would very much enjoy this one. So, yeah, we didn't. So really, we, have, we had one topic that you threw out, and I don't think we got any topics online because there's a lot going on. I mean, this was the first night really of college basketball. Right, Obviously, yep. Game Six of the World Series is going on. Right. Um, Hillary Clinton's lead is collapsing in the polls. I mean, all, there's right. all kinds of things going on at this point. Right. Right. There's a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. You know, the, the Game Seven coming up. We got the election. My dryer's making noise. There's anxiety everywhere. I did. You did throw out something, and it relates. I think to Joe West, not the robocalls, but uh, we could have fun discussing it. Um, and it was your your hypothetical of uh, I forget what this was on Facebook or Twitter, but you asked if there is anything more annoying than the slow the slow to call the slow pitch calling ump in sports. <laughs> yes. So was that I hate Joe the West? slow pitch calling ump? <laughs> All right. So um, let's make your case on that. And what other annoying sports are archetypes or, or things do we have to talk about because well, i'll agree with you but i'll let you make your case on the slow on the slow calling up i, I don't even think there's a, a case that needs to be made on this i'm That's just Phil Stephen yeah. smith for you um but no i mean <laughs> the, the, look we all know that we're really not there to watch the players or even the teams we're there to watch the umpires and officials i mean any it's the Ted balance right right right. i mean and look in basketball it's a little different because everybody's a damn showman in basketball because there's only 13 people on the floor at any one time i mean well even i mean i guess maybe 15 if you count the coaches but i mean why do coaches stand up and yell in basketball it's not because they're helping their team it's because they're they they, want to be seen by the cameras or by the crowd and that's fine whatever okay so that i get and it's and and you know basketball arenas are they're 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 tightly enough packed that you can somewhat understand it's like a big theater baseball's not like that baseball it's like it's a big place and the Mm -hmm. idea that you've got an umpire who's calling balls and strikes or outs or whatever in a very slow and deliberate style because they're you know they're 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 trying to get attention um 
that to me is let's like a, it's like the most offensive of all of the things that are outside of the normal realm of play in sports because of all of the of all the games where the the official should quote unquote just do their job it's baseball because we spend so much time bitching about players not just doing their job in baseball far more so than any of the other sports any degree of hot doggery or uh, expressiveness by any player in baseball is just buried under this avalanche of moral outrage and you know just you know the, like societal collapse and mass hysteria and all of that and yet with umpires i hear nobody complaining about it except a few random people on the internet certainly none of the moral arbiters of the sport will take time to complain about the the the, the obvious look at me showmanship of these umpires Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is weird. It, it is, you know, baseball does have that that more of that kind of old school play the game the right way code, I think, than um, others. I remember Deion Sanders making that point. I think it was in a feature that Charlie Pierce wrote about him years ago. And it was the idea that, like in football, like if you're good, if you've got skills, if you knock a guy around, if you if you score, if you've got talent, kind of they recognize that. And certainly that's the way in basketball too. But baseball really does kind of have that that like unwritten rule play the game the right way you know atlanta brave uh holding it up st louis cardinal code or something like that <laughs> um and it does strike me you know the uh so what's the, the the annoying thing about the slow call umpire is that like there there's the certain rhythm of pitch you know call you know catcher catches it and then you get the decision and whether you agree with it or you don't like there's that rhythm like pitch boom strike call ball call and when and, and when you don't see an immediate strike call the the automatic assumption that we all have is well is ball and so you see like that little half second delay and he brings his arm up and does the little strike thing and that's just it throws off the rhythm so much uh, of watching him i remember covering baseball and the slow ups were they were just they were horribly frustrating especially you know if you're trying to keep any kind of a pitch count as a reporter or, you know as somebody who's interested and and it, and it you know when and it's funny because baseball is having such a good postseason in terms of uh, kind of like fan interest and just compelling games. I mean, I, the World Series game the other day beat the Sunday night football game, which was the Cowboys against the Eagles in, in overtime. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, we've been over this. We've talked about this a lot. I know, I know your feelings on Sally Jenkins don't match mine, but she had a really interesting column about uh, NFL ratings. Now, basically, um, it wasn't. Com- I, I, and, and I don't love making the baseball to football comparison because you have World Series versus regular season. You've got a historic World Series because you've got the Cubs with a lot. That that's a natural draw for kind of casual fans and the Indians. That kind of long story too versus regular season you know there's a special draw to this world series so uh but baseball's been so compelling the games have been even even like the eighth inning of sunday night's game when chapman needed like 18 minutes in real time to throw six pitches to get a guy out like like that didn't feel like it felt long but it didn't feel interminable and uh and and the point sally jenkins was making in the nfl column was it just and it struck home with me after seeing this weekend's games and you know the patriots hung up 40 on the bills and crushed them at home you know same as it ever was but it does it feels like 
and, you know, I've mentioned this before, so you know I, I'm doing the same thing of repeating. But there's nothing new or exciting about this NFL season. It just kind of feels like the same old thing, and it's not as compelling anymore. And and, and not as compelling. It's not as fun. So and I'm, and so that's that's a complete aside. I was trying to think of any kind of other annoying sports figures on the in the realm of. Uh, the slow calling home plate umpire, and that's that. It's tough. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, to me, one thing that always bugs me is the the sports the, the fan who uses we to talk about teams. You know, that's more of a pet peeve of mine. I, I and I know fan identification and all that, but that's just that that's an it, it brings out an irrational reaction to me, especially when it's. When, when you do hear it from... Do you hate it when people use we with the Olympics? Yes. Yes, actually. Okay, you're, then, you're not... then you are a weirdo, sir. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. We, you are not winning... The, you are not you're touching part of, the... You're part of it. You're part of the... You are part not of touching the... the... You are not touching the wall to set Katie Ledecky on the final you, final okay, stretch okay, of the four by one In all seriousness, do you use we with journalists? <laughs> Actually, yes, I do. Why? I still self-identify as a journalist well, in a lot of ways. That's I'm not. Of, that's the but then that's the point. <laughs> self-identification. Okay, okay, but I'll but I'll counter. I used to be an actual journalist where I actually did that. These most people who are saying we and fans as fans are were not former players. Like I followed Daryl Talley. I follow Thurman Thomas. If they say we. I'll give them a pass, but regular, but regular dildo throwing Bills fans, I'm not going to let them. I'm not going to give them a pass at so, using so, we. So your your proposal in science is that we have to base identity off of participation. No, no, not no, not at all. But there, but there's a difference between identifying and and we indicates I am actually when you say we lost. You are indicating not just identification. You are indicating an a, an act of active participation. Don't you think you're being overly pedantic with your definition of we? Are are, are you new? Of course, I'm being overly pedantic. <laughs> I, I I'm just trying. I think part of the problem that we run into here is this is an easy. It's an easy argument for people to make when they. It's like people who decide that they're going to get all hot and bothered about comma usage on Twitter. You know, I mean, like that's we, we you, you go overboard. I think because you've you've decided to create an ex an excessively limiting definition maybe i don't and i don't understand like the like what the end game of it is like i mean ultimately people aren't using we because they're trying to assert that they were a playing member of the buffalo bills but they are using we to assert a level of of communal belonging with the overall organization of the buffalo bills and i, and I don't think it's a lot it's not a whole lot different than than the sort of national affiliation that we utilize or party affiliation that we utilize or anything like that i mean you you can be a member of the democratic party and never have run for or or, or held public okay. office. Okay, but at the same time, to, to counter that, I can be a member of the Democratic Party, which I am, and I, and I see your sticker, and we're going to talk about your sticker in a few minutes. Um, but um, yes, I've never run for office. I've never formally volunteered on any campaign. I I don't think I've ever donated. I might have donated somebody. I don't think so. But it, but by voting. 
I'm still an active participant in declaring the outcome of an election. So come next Tuesday, hopefully, if I if I well, feel if I feel a we won, it's going to be I actively participated. I actually took part in it. I actually cast a vote. And so by, by having the winning side, by having pur- by fan- having purchased a ticket to a game, nope. I have actively I- participated in the financial I- sustenance of the organization. By watching a game on television, I have helped to patronize the commercial sponsors that are paying uh-huh. my league millions and billions of dollars in order to allow the league to exist in the first place. But that had no actual outcome on the effect on the actual outcome of the contest of which you were referring to. Okay, but again, that, your, your, your definition of we is so highly participatory in nature. I think that that's I, a mistake. Well, I'm going to stand here in my wrongness and be wrong about that. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> Oh, the flip side, picking apart pet, pet peeves since, two, since early 2016. Um, do we have any other um, awesomely annoying sports figures or things in sports that you could well, – I've been thinking about that. Um, it's t- I mean, I don't think we've got any that, that approach the level of annoyance that the showboating – uh, or slow umpire has yeah. because he's on TV all the time, and I think that that's that's probably the big thing. Like, I mean, I, certainly there are some basketball officials that that rise close to that level, but, right? But again, they're generally canceled out by the other officials that are on the floor. Like, you'll never, you almost will never have more than one really showboaty ref, like official on a basketball field. Most okay. of most of the NFL officials are pretty by the book. Uh, the end, the NF, the NHL officials are pretty by the book. Right. Um, you can, I will say, watching soccer, you do get some rather annoying um, soccer. Uh, officials once you start watching the game but it's i i don't know man i'm, I'm not really thinking of anything that uh yeah. that, that strikes me as being particularly troublesome in sports yeah um, I other can't. Than, or at least at least not to that level yeah i can't i was having trouble coming up with that too so um so we can move to our to the other topic and it relates to the i voted sticker that i see you rocking on your shirt today and then i saw your lovely wife rocking it actually uh, it actually it, it actually says i boated today i went down to the I, lake earlier you and, boated uh so so yeah. once you get tenure you get a boat i like where this is going <laughs> you just get to, right. you just get to borrow the dinghy that belongs to the, <laughs> to the school you know <laughs> So, so, so you, you had the opportunity to early vote. I am, I don't have that opportunity up here. I have to wait like, uh, yeah, no, we don't have early voting. Um, why, don't that's early, of, why don't you have early voting? Because this is New York. Right. We don't do things like that. I'm going to make sure that's I don't what, have that's what 80 years of Democrat rule will get you. Anyway. <laughs> Um, no, you would think they would they they would be pushing for that historically, but uh, not so your, no, not being, in your part of the state. No, so being able to vote, uh, being vote early. I mean, did it feel you know? Obviously, this election very volatile, very emotional. We've talked a lot about it. So, how did it you know in casting your vote? How did it feel to actually get to do that today? I mean, different different than normal. I mean, did it feel like a well, little bit? It was different in that I didn't have to show up immediately, like very early in the day. Like normally, I vote at a church because that's, of course, where most of our polling places in in this part of Indiana are. They're all at churches. Okay. Um, and I was gonna, ha- and I'm in a different polling place, so I would have had to have gone right. there. But instead, this was at uh, a location downtown. I was able to go after a meeting that I had during my lunch hour. 
and I walked in and there was no line and I got checked in within two minutes and I had the ballot in my hand and I was done two minutes later and nice. I walked back out again. So from the standpoint of like, how was it? It was, mm-hmm. it was the best voting experience I've ever had. Um, All right. It's uh, it was, it was quick. It was efficient. It, um, you know, there was no there was no confusion, and everybody there knew what they were doing. And so I, I, you know, A plus plus would vote early again. Excellent, very good. I do wish I had that opportunity just for I don't know why. You know, I you know, um, just because I like voting, and it seems like the sooner I get to do it and not have to wait till a Tuesday. I mean, usually, you know, we're we tend to be lucky in our chosen profession that we have more flexible schedules than other professions that we're probably able to always do it. And te- I think legally you're supposed to be given time to go vote from your employer, even if um, like you, you can't get to the polls or not. Um, I do, I do like the Bernie Sanders idea that uh, election day should be a national holiday. Um, I think that that's, I, I, I like, I, I like that as an, I like that. As, I don't know. I, I just like that as an idea. Like this is a day we get off to go vote. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I like that so much. I can't put it into re- I, I can't give it a good like quantitative justification for it, but it just just seems nice is basically it. Um, but anyway, uh, what I wanted to get to the topic I suggested, um, I actually I, I do. Think, I do support online voting. I think that. Oh, needs, my goodness. That needs yes. to happen. Yes. Or. Um, yeah, absolutely. I do like that. So do you guys have the, the before we get to the topic, do you guys have the, the machines with the with the thing or is it a ballot that you mark and hand in the slot like a Scantron type deal? Well, they, they, there are both. Um, okay. like when I voted in 2014, I um, I voted on a machine, but today I voted on a paper ballot. Okay, yeah, we have paper ballots up here yeah. in New York. Um, but they're paper ballots that you run through a scanner. Yeah, it's so. the Scantron. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like a Scantron thing. Um, so anyway, the, the, the idea from the, for the topic, the kind of political topic I had tonight, and it is kind of based on, as you noted, Hillary's lead is – Hillary Clinton's lead is kind of dropping preci- – I don't know if precipitously is the right word. It's kind of precipitously. It's it, like, it, it's like it, four it, points now. It is like, it is like four points. Uh, 538 has, has her – like only 73 percent although it's funny to note that they're an outlier which i'm going to get to in a second but um and uh so i i I listen i read 538 a lot and it's not the typical liberal democrat going there to be reassured or something like i genuinely like seeing the the perform the the poll their their data is excellent um i've become a big fan of whiz kid harry ensign i just really (laughs) like his writing and his podcasting i think he's 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 really really good i agree um and uh, and uh, so it was, it was interesting, and, and this came out of a Twitter conversation I was having with uh, with a uh, Twitter friend who teaches and uh, at CUNY, C U N Y, and uh, he tweeted out a link, and Nate Silver tweeted this out and had a, an article yesterday, and. Um, this is the tweet from Nate Silver. Clinton, Clinton is underperforming Obama 2012 in 10 of 12 traditional swing states, despite having a larger lead in the popular vote. And the, the response was, oh, come on. This is comparing vote margin to poll numbers, a totally meaningless comparison. Follow-up tweet. Seriously, what has happened to make Nate Silver act so weird this time around? It's almost like he's become dot, 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 a pundit. And so I, so the question I kind of had, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is, you know, 
2016, especially compared with 2012, is Nate Silver. Nate, 2012, Nate Silver was, of course, kind of the golden boy. Like, it was the, the golden boy. It was when 538 – it was still at the New York Times at the time. But it, it, that's when he became, like, kind of a star. Like, that that, that really raised his profile uh, nationally. And so – and now we're – and comparing that to 2016 um, – I have thoughts on this, but I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear yours since I just kind of threw this to you in a text message earlier today. Like, is Nate Silver now just another pundit? I mean, it depends on who you ask. I think okay. I think to a lot of liberal Democrats, as you put, termed them earlier, mm-hmm. yes, he's another pundit, and that's it. Because um, look, in 2012, let's let's be clear, what made Nate Silver as popular as he was was that he was forecasting. Uh, a relatively easy Obama victory when a lot of the traditional media yes. were, you know, steadfast in their their uh, reporting belief that this was going to be a horse race between these two candidates, that, that the, the polls were closing at the end, that Romney had a real chance at winning the election. And, and mm-hmm. Nate Silver looked at his poll model and said, no, no, that's not what's going on. And I think Obama's going to win by, what you know, what will be a comfortable margin. And right. You know, look, I think that in the uh, trying to, I'm really trying to be careful with how I term some of the the things that I'm going to say here next. Uh, I think for a lot of liberal Democrats, particularly younger ones, um, their um, their feelings about people who are popular, uh, particularly media celebrities, whether they are political analysts or whether they are musicians or whether they are actors is very much dependent on how what those people are saying fits the particular yep. zeitgeist of the moment. Yep. And when that changes, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it those people suddenly fall out of fashion. They're, they're no longer popular among that group. They, they become part of an establishment that is, is, is what those people find unfashionable. And I think okay. that's what's happened with Nate Silver. I mean, I've listened to a lot of 538 podcasts. I've listened to a lot of um, – I've read a lot of the stuff on 538. Um, you know, I'm not a liberal Democrat. I'm not really anything. I, I, when I, but when I, I, I listen to these guys because they're, they approach things from a very scientific, um, you know, methodology when it comes to the polls. And, you know, look, it, it's an imperfect science to say the least. It is not a, I mean, you know, the, the whole idea of polling is fraught with peril anyway. And anybody who's done any just type of social science knows that. that. You know, you know that when you're asking people, you're basically giving surveys of people and you're trying to ascertain what they're going to do, not just them, but people that they represent as part of a, a sample of a population, it, that's a very imperfect science. And so when I hear Nate Silver talking about these things or when I see what he writes, I think what he's doing is basically what he was doing in 2012. The difference right. is in 2012, what he was doing was bucking conventional wisdom, which was that Obama was in trouble. What he's doing this time is bucking the the desire and the belief yeah. that a lot of liberal Democrats have that Hillary Clinton is going to, you know, win 410 electoral votes next right. week. And that's, so I think that's really the root of it. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I absolutely totally agree um, that in 2012, he was like the, you know, as a liberal Democrat, 
he was the safety valve, right? Like you hear all these stories and you hear like it's closing, then you go to 538 and like, okay, Obama's still like it's 78, 79%. Okay, you feel better. And now you go, especially 538, they're, it's funny to see them as almost the, as the outlier among the predictive, among all of like the uh, predictive markets. A lot of even like the upshot of the New York Times and a lot of the other kind of newer prediction models that kind of came up in uh, in, in 538's wake have still have Clinton up around an 80 90 percent chance um, and what but what I so what I find interesting about this about it is um, the idea and everything I agree with everything you said that you know Nate Silver's the enemy now because he's not telling me that Hillary's going to run away or he says that Trump has a path to victory which is his update which of course he does a he's still a candidate b if this were you know it's still a 30% chance Hillary's still favored but yes Trump can win and that it, it, it is funny to hear him especially on the on the daily podcast and read some of his stuff he seems very i don't know I, I, and again i'm reading reading personality traits into into something but uh, he always seems he, he seems a lot defensive about it like all of a sudden he's getting picked on for it and it's always funny to hear hear him talk about his time and his dealings when he was at the New York Times and how you know he was you know incorrectly just looked down upon by the by the elite political reporters of the paper for you know territorial reasons and and like he really i mean he does sometimes come off as that kid who was picked on in high school he even referred to it like made a comment like a high school lunchroom at one time and how um and, and so it does really and, and, and so it does kind of come off as the i was picked on by you guys at high school and now i'm going to show you guys kind of way um what, what what i find interesting in thinking about the difference between 2012 and 2016 yes it, it's and it's funny because the numbers are about the same like obama was like high 70s to win going down and that's about where hillary is at and yes we're trending you know hillary's trending downward where obama was kind of steady but the numbers are still the same but it feels differently and you know, for a lot of reasons, as he said on the podcast that I listened to this morning. So it was their update yesterday. There's a lot of uncertainty. There are a lot of undecided voters. Um, there's a lot of movement in swing states. All this statistical reasoning that Trump has a pretty decent – still has. I shouldn't say Trump has a pretty decent chance. Trump has a chance. Like there, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that that he could win. Um, but what I but what I find interesting about some of the things I've seen on his site on 538, you know, that article that I quoted the tweet on, or he posted the the yesterday, I think that the chances are improving that there that there's an electoral popular vote split mm -hmm. where Clinton I, wins. I listened to the podcast today. Too. You listened to it, okay? But for anybody who didn't, uh, there's a growing chance that Clinton wins the pop. It's almost assured unless there's a huge polling error or whatever, Clinton's going to win the popular vote, but she could still lose the electoral vote. Like I believe we're up to about a 10% chance yet early this morning that that can happen. And what I find odd about, not odd, but what I find interesting about that is that's really not that big a chance. Like, yes, there's a chance, but, and, and I, and I wonder how there, there's two elements where I go, where I wonder, and he's kind of addressed this, but I would, but I, but I wonder how much is behind it. One, 538 famously blew it on Trump in the primaries and to Silver's credit and, and everyone, and 
Harry Anton's credit and everyone's credit on the site, they owned up to why they miss why they kind of blew it on Trump. And for brevity's sake, if anything I say is ever brevity, but um, the idea that their underlying assumptions were flawed on that, which when you do probabilistic thinking, you always have are set come from a set of kind of underlying baseline assumptions, and they and they admitted their baseline assumptions on Trump Trump were off, and that skewed how they read the data. So I do wonder, like like they 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 miss Trump throughout, so you do always wonder, are they over? Potentially overrating Trump just as kind of a hedge, which might be smart, but you want, but it, it is a question you wonder. But I also wonder too. In 2012, he Silver and 538 was part of the New York Times, so that he could kind of do his own thing, and he didn't have to get headlines. He didn't have to get readers on his own. He was within kind of the, he was part of a larger organization. Now he's running his own thing. He's running his own site and it's a popular site. I think it's ESPN's best visited site or incredibly successful, well-run site. This is not a knock on them, but you have to get people, you have to get readers to it. And so there is always I always think there is always an incentive to making it seem like it's closer than it is like i don't i i don't i I should say i don't think they're fudging data i don't think that i i think that they do they're very methodologically sound but some of their articles like the the the, there's a chance clinton could lose the the electoral college but win the popular vote it's such a small i mean it's a right it's growing well from five to ten is still growing, but is it likely? And that just seems like the the kind of stuff you're doing to wow. get to get readers and, and to get traffic and to do the kind of thing that I think Nate Sil- the Nate Silvers of the world were so against the elite political media doing four years ago, which is creating more stories when they they may not necessarily be there. I can't believe. I can't believe I'm going to launch into a full-throated defense of of Nate Silver here, but I guess I'm going to actually. Okay, are you a a fan of things? I know you're much more of a a quantitative researcher guy than I am. So what are your feelings on? I think he does fine. Look, and like I said, I mean, it's it's hard to quantify uh, such a. Okay, my colleague Nicole Martins has a quote on her door from Neil deGrasse Tyson, which goes something like, you know, um, um, when you introduce humans into a, uh, into data, the results get totally skewed, which is why physics is easy and sociology, sociology is, is hard, hard, right? Yep. And yep. that's, I mean, po- it, it, po- like political polling is like the most applied form of sociology uh, that we have now. Mm-hmm. So let me let me take a few of the things that you said here and break them down one by one. So the first thing that you said about you know is you know this is such a small chance that this might happen. Well, okay, first of all, Hillary Clinton's chances on five thirty eight of winning the election, which means winning the electoral college. Right. As of today, we're 71.1%. The Cleveland Indians' chance of winning the World Series as of today was 76%. Right. Now, so, you know, and, and the Chicago's up 7-1 in the bottom of the fifth in game six. So, 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 so my, in, my, in other words, they're clo- the polls are closing against Cleveland's rising, surging in the polls here. <laughs> my point, no, my point is, no, that was before the game started. No, I know, I'm kidding. Uh, my, you know, but, so my point is, when we look at percentage points, we tend to think of them as, oh, you know, this is a uh, an eight in ten chance of happening or a nine in ten chance of not happening, right. but. 
I think that that's there's kind of a mistake. Now you have to put things in those sorts of terms from a uh, from a, a quantitative perspective, <laughs> but. But on on the on the same page there, you have to consider that there are things that happen that have somewhat low probability on a fairly consistent basis. And you know, as of right now, when you look at the trend lines of Clinton's polling and you look at the trend lines of Trump's polling and where it's happening, um, I think it's something that you have to talk about because it is one of the potential things that could occur where um, it, where in the states that matter as far as the election is concerned, you could have close enough margins that you end up with a repeat of what happened in 2000. Not not like the Supreme Court deciding whether or not we're going to get a full recount in Florida, but a, a situation where a guy wins the popular vote and loses the election overall. Um, so I do think that that's something that has to be discussed. And I think that we're hearing, I mean, look, they've, 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 they've talked about, okay, this is an improbable thing that could happen in the past. And I think over what's happened over the past week, you have to talk about it. If you're a numbers driven site, I mean, to just say, well, this is, this is less than a, what's your threshold, less than a three in, in, in four chance that this is going to happen. Therefore, we're not going to talk about it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, if, if you read what they're, what they're saying, and you look at the way that things are trending, I think it would be malpractice to not say at this point, a week out from the election, yeah, you know, all the people that have been going around for the last two months saying that Hillary Clinton's going to, you know, win by double digits and that Trump has no chance of winning, I'm going to pump the brakes on that because the numbers are showing us that, you know, right now Trump's got a, as about of a good of a chance as, uh, at winning, um, you know, the the election as the Bills had of winning in New England a few weeks ago. Hmm. That's good. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, and you know, it's one of those things where I don't know. It, it kind of comes down for me to the you know, and we're talking about Nate Silver, so it's going to sound weird, but you know, the, the the kind of gut feeling as I as I see the site, and it, it's just kind of felt to me. And again, look, I'm coming at it from the liberal Democrat point of view, so you can take it take this however you want, but I, it, it does kind of feel like like I understand, like, like it's not a. I think the polls are wrong. I think. You know, I, I think Nate Silvers and his people are, are bad people for saying this. Like, I think it's very clear what's happened. Um, Trump has stayed out of out of the news. Um, Hillary has been in the news. And just in general, when there's nothing, of, you know, there, there's the great metric this year about who the candidate who's in the news more does worse in the polls. So yeah. when Trump is the is the is is the lead story, his numbers go down. And same with Clinton. And Clinton's kind of in that space now. I do wonder, kind of spinning it ahead a little bit, because um, we we do have a week to go. Um, I do wonder if for Trump, um, and again, I was feeling that you know, the the data is what the data is. the data are what the data are. Sorry, but uh, are you a data is or a data are guy? Um. I, awesome. you don't I, care. I, I use we, I use we with sports teams. So that should answer your question. Awesome. So anyway, the, the the data show what the data show, but it is it is funny. Like like we're like it's only it's only a week out, but like I feel like there's still one more Trump fuck up coming. Like some like and, and not just the stories that kind of were leaking out yesterday about Russia and his taxes, um, but I feel like I do feel like there's one more, and I feel like in a in a weird way, and this is probably wishful magical thinking on my part, and I'll cop to that. But I, I do feel like like the Clinton swoon 
in a weird way, I've always felt I, I felt this like the Clinton kind of decrease and in, in, in drop in polls happened at just at actually a perfect time for the Clinton campaign. I get their text messages. I get Clinton's text messages from Hillary for America. Um, I'm voting for Hillary. Let's not, let's be, (laughs) this is not a surprise to anyone. I know, right? Um, This is not a surprise to anyone. But the the, the text that they sent out today was the ABC poll that showed Trump ahead by one. So I think this is kind of that weird, you know, the weird thing where it's been bad news, but it kind of helps mobilize voters where I think the big fear in the Clinton, among kind of Clinton fans and Clinton watchers, in the past month since the debate was when Clinton was at like 85 percent on 538 and kind of looked like she could pull off a 400 electoral vote potential, like she could win Texas and all this stuff. All of a sudden now, and now, you know, the, the, the big fear was complacency. Oh, I don't need the vote. She's got this. And now all of a sudden, as it tightens, you do wonder kind of that that partisan backlash on the Democrat side among not people who haven't voted already and, and potentially of, you know, giving Clinton, the Clinton camp one last boost. I don't know if I'm making sense here, but I feel like it's 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 possible that like the, the, the bad news for Clinton broke too early for Trump and that there's just enough time to get like enough of a enough of a bounce back. Well, I don't know. I don't it, know how it, 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 it is interesting to think how, you know. Are we going to keep trending down on Clinton or is there going to be like a stabilization and it kind of trends back up a little bit? Is it going to get to the point where, you know, where I think what happened in the, in the debates was the, the, the come to Jesus moment where I think a lot of people thought, oh, my God, Donald Trump could be president. And I think that bounced back on a lot of people. You know, what, what is fueling what they do say on what they have been saying on the 538 podcast, which is good, is that what's fueling, you know, Clinton's numbers are actually relatively steady. Trump's been gaining. And the general thought is that it's all the Republicans who were abandoning him right. back when the tape came out kind of coming home. Um, and so I think, it, you know, it was always, you know, you know, kind of, you know. You can correct my incorrect usage of stat terminology here, but it feels like what we're seeing here is almost the regression to the mean, where it was always going to be kind of a very close race between two extraordinarily unpopular candidates. And so it kind of bounced. It kind of went wayward for a little bit. And now we kind of regressed a little bit. Am I using that? Am I using my stat terms completely? No, no, no. That's 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 that's, I mean, that's that's accurate enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's all I ever asked for in my stats classes was accurate enough. I mean, look, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I, no one legitimately thought that this thing was going to regress to the mean. That's like, it. I mean, the, and that's, I think what's, what's petrifying people is, uh, you know, particularly Hillary supporters is that it does seem to be regressing to the mean. And, and this is where I, I find the logic of the, the election fascinating from the punditry and from the, the comments that I see from people, um, you know, the for for two months, all we heard was the Republican Party has been disintegrated, and you know Trump will be lucky to exceed the thirty eight percent or thirty nine percent threshold that uh, you know the Todd Akin uh, got in in Missouri, right. the, the legitimate rape guy. Um, you know, he's at, he, yeah, he's at forty four nine in the latest popular vote on five thirty eight, and and I think so. We've gone from that 
to now we're in this mode where everybody's freaking out about, oh, you know, well, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be getting close. And I do think that for for the Democrats, there's a legitimate concern here that they they were dancing on the grave of their opposition way too early. And um, they've been caught flat-footed. Now, there's been several, much like it's difficult for 538 people to accurately project what's going to happen with polls, it's also very difficult for political campaigns to account for things that they weren't expecting. I mean, I don't know that... The, the the Clinton campaign and all of their uh, their internal memos and so forth were counting on WikiLeaks, you know, dropping DNC emails every day for two weeks leading up to the election, right. or you know, I mean, or they were counting on you know Anthony Weiner's laptop suddenly becoming a you know an item that was going to be examined. As a New Yorker to the nation, you're welcome for that one. <laughs> but I, look, it, I, what we're seeing here. I do think, to some degree, is from from the from the perspective of Nate Silver and the 538 crew, what they're you know they're seeing trend lines that run mm-hmm. counter to the narrative that everybody had just decided was the case, right? And that's now you have to account for this new data, and that's going to cause you to talk about things that people don't want to hear. From the mm-hmm. from the from the average voter's perspective, you're looking at this and you're saying, "Wow, Trump's really gaining," and you know, he is gaining, but I don't know that we should have necessarily been surprised. I mean, I am surprised by it, but I'm surprised by it mostly because the reason Trump's gaining is because Hillary's left the door open. Like, right. It wasn't it wasn't slammed shut. This is basically it's like a fourth quarter comeback if we want to go with football terminology, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's so it's it's not like Trump is gaining because he's doing a great job. It's right. Trump's gaining because Hillary's not doing a great job. And that so I so I look at all of those things and I say to myself, those are hard factors for anybody, let alone data scientists to right. be able to factor in. We we haven't seen anything like this election in the modern information age ever, I think. I mean, I don't, I don't Right. I, I don't think there's a. This is this is new, new occurrences for whatever future models will will be taking into account. Right, and I think that's the point Nate made on the on the podcast. I can call him Nate, but the uh, the, I, the the point he made on the podcast today is that it's it the 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 current numbers. I was just on the site. It is Clinton, and this is as of 23 minutes ago on November 1st, 71.1% to win the presidency. Trump 28.8%. And that is uh, that is like that is in a week that has dropped like 10, 15 that, that has gone 10, 15 points. And a lot of it, he said, is due to the still uncertainty that's still in well, the uh, in the model. And, 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 that, and, the, lack I think that's of, and the lack of polls. I mean, as he mentioned, you know, right. there, there's some key states that don't have very good polling. Michigan does Wisconsin, not have good polling. Wisconsin, and, Michigan and Minnesota. And, Right, you know, and I mean, uh, Pennsylvania, you know, Pens- uh, North Carolina is even kind of wet. I mean, they're, they're pulling that, but you know, one of the fun sites to go to. I do like the upshot is they do have the paths to victory. Have yes. you played with that? Of course. I, I I do that, and I do two seventy to win. I, I I obsessively do that at night, not just in a how can Hillary win, but I'm like fascinated by how it breaks, and like it's one of those weird things where like. Like, like, you, like you do notice, like, like, and one of the things I always see in these Trump stories is what I want to tell people is there's always the if. 
Like yeah. it's all predicated on the if there's a pulling error or if something breaks or if these states break the other way. So, I mean, just by saying Trump can win doesn't, you know, I think that's probably the, the source of Silver Nate's frustration. I'll call him Nate. But it's the idea that, um, uh, you know, just by saying Trump has a 30, 28 percent, I'll say it's 30 percent by the chance of the by the morning. What I would say is probably going to be by Wednesday morning, 30 percent chance of winning doesn't mean it's going to happen or even necessarily likely to happen. But it says that it could happen. Um, and I and, and honestly, I've always thought that the Clinton campaign never never frowns upon that as a, 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 a getting out there because that's a good way to motivate your, your people to get out to vote is to say, hey, guys, we could blow that. We could we, Trump could be president. You need to get out there and vote and tell people to get out there and vote. I think that's actually a pretty good uh, mobilizing thing for the Clinton campaign. You may be uh, right, although you may be right, but, from... but, the, but the, you know, you're right. But the problem is that uh, the reason like those numbers keep popping up and yet they're popping up because news comes out that depresses the interest or the excitement in voting that's for Hillary the, Clinton. And that, so. That's that, that's the fear. And it's interesting that you've noticed I, 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 I've noticed a lack of rigged election talk from the Trump camp in the past week. So you kind of you got to figure like that was the, the that was always the weird thing about the Trump rigged election talk was that the, the idea would be it would depress turnout on his on, 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 of his supporters, um, except for the woman who I believe in your state, lovely Indiana, voted twice for Donald Trump because the polls are skewed. Was that uh, in Indiana? Uh, no, it was in Iowa. Thank you. Don't... You know what? You're all in a row. You all start with I. You're okay. all in the Big Ten. Okay, you, sir, need to look at a map if you think Indiana I, I... and Iowa are in a row. Okay. You are. Look, I, I can draw a straight line from Indiana through Illinois to Iowa. I can draw Boom. a straight line from Iowa to New York. That doesn't mean they're in a straight line, you know? Yeah, they are. That It, it doesn't mean they're close. Well, it just you know doesn't what I mean. They're in a... You know what I mean. Um... <laughs> By the way, your state uh, is 95.7% going to Trump for the electoral votes. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, nope. you know, we, we do lead in uh, in lack of education and childhood obesity or something like that. <laughs> I would, um, I'd like to New York is at 99.7% for Clinton. Well, and this is where this is where that, you know, and I'm kidding, we don't lead. I think Mississippi and Alabama lead in a childhood obesity. But, um, <laughs> um, but no, this is where that, you know, Clinton could win the popular vote and lose the electoral vote is, like, I could see the, the the vote really turning out in like new york and california and you know big margins That's, coming in for clinton there but and, yeah, and, yeah. Well, well, and actually well, the counter argument i heard it might have been from the whiz kid was or might have been on 538 was it was definitely on 538 i don't remember who it was but the idea is that Trump's national gains are in places like Texas and Arizona, like pink states that are turning more red, whereas the swing states aren't really changing. And, you know, that, that that's one of the reasons I have to stay off Twitter, you know, this week is just the any one poll. That's why, you know, 538 is such a valuable site and the upshot are valuable sites. Like when you take models into many polls, because you can start the danger is you start cherry picking or you start looking at looking for polls that validate what you want to happen rather than kind of what is happening kind of drives you mad. So, um, yeah, Eric Malinowski is right. Uh, never tweet. <laughs> just, just tweet about puppies. Just tweet. Uh, that's always a good, good move. I did that and yesterday beer. and I felt so much better about myself. Absolutely. So, so I think that's it. I think we, we know we, as always, we've helped a lot of people today. We certainly did. And yeah. I, I know that we've 
you know, it's going to be interesting. We're, so we're going to do our our next flip side on the day before the election. Right. So what ends up? Uh, I wonder what we're talking about then, because I, I, you know, I'll be honest. Like we did the, the our last one eight days ago. I don't think either of us thought that we would be talking about the presidential election at this particular point. And, no, it felt like a blowout. Yeah, it was a blowout as last. Mu- as, mu- yeah, as, as much as things have changed over time, over the short period of time, yeah. I, I am rather fascinated to see what happens here over the next seven days. I mean, it's it's, and, it's yeah. really going to be curious because I, I, I will say, I mean. Regardless of you know what the pundits are saying or how the coverage is going, I I do I sense a change in the air with this. Like I, okay. there's there's like a, a change in the way that people are perceiving the the election, and I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means that uh, that it's it's going to be more favorable for one candidate or the other, but but the 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 way that the coverage has started to trend has been different than it's been up to this point. I don't know if it's just... Oh, like, so. it's, what are you seeing? You're already feeling, I guess, more than seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... I feel like there's a there's a certain degree of panic in in the in the the response that yes. I'm seeing from people on on the on the liberal side of the equation and I'm right. not seeing that panic on on the Republican side and that's that's weird right. to me because yeah you know as reactionary as the the kind of the hardcore Trump voters obviously are from what we've seen them, you would think that there would be a greater panic about not winning the election. And yet I'm not seeing, I don't know what that means, but even in the coverage and the coverage, I mean, you know, the mainstream media coverage is, 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 I think you'd have to admit pretty favorable towards Clinton. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not an, it's not an even distribution. Um, There's some panic in the coverage there too. And it's not even necessarily a partisan sort of panic, but it's like the, reaction to the the comey uh email story mm-hmm. and then the reaction to the reaction to that and right. i mean it's just it's really jumpy and i, I don't yeah. know i don't know if it's a if it's an aspect of this particular election or if it's just because twitter is such a big part of the election and and that's what's making it jumpy i don't know yet right. I, I need a couple it, more days to it but it's something yeah. i felt i felt it was worth mentioning yeah it feels jumpy is the right word it feels like a I don't know if this is what you're saying, but almost like a what's next or like waiting for something or just the, 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 the again, kind of getting back to uh, Nate, I can call him that uh, his that love word of uncertainty. Right. There's just so much like you feel like there's something else coming like oh. and 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 and. and I, I guess maybe, you know, the the prospect of a Trump presidency is so terrifying to so many people that, like, it kind of gets to a point where, oh, my God, this could really happen through nobody's fault. Like, like this is like we're, we're within a week and it's not a 90 to 10 blowout. It's a, you know, kind of standard ish, maybe a little bit not, but more standard election than we were expecting at this point. And now it's like. Oh goodness! Now well, what? Now what? Yeah, this is like it's even, it feels like it's even beyond that. I mean, you've got you basically right now have um the the presidential candidates um inner circle uh, of a major political party and the FBI in a in a war with each other. Yeah, like you've you've got you you had like. 
press appearance after press appearance after press appearance going after the FBI director. And now you've got the FBI just like randomly dropping like documents that, right. that you know, like the Mark Rich stuff that got dropped today. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I mean, it's like it's just very weird because like I, that's that's not normal operations. Uh, no. You know, and so I do wonder what the hell's going on with that and, and you know, what – what we'll have in store as we move forward here over the course of the next week. Yeah, maybe next Monday we do a puppy and cooking show to take give people something to take their minds off of uh, off of the election coverage. So, yeah. um, well, or not, or or, or 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 we steer right into the storm and go and, and go deep. How did so, that work knows? for Mark Wahlberg? I mean, that's that's the but, um, So yeah, anyway, well, hey, good stuff. Um, thanks for listening, folks. If you have. Questions in the future uh, that you'd like us to address or topics, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up uh, at BP Moritz or at Dr. GC. And, Brian, any final thoughts before we go? Not, no, I think we're good. Show notes in this episode are at sportsmediaguide.com on yes. the flip side tab. This is episode season three, episode six. We've enjoyed it. We'll talk to you folks on yes. the flip side. So long, everybody. See ya.